morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am the host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview series, episode number 209. And this week, we have Jim McLaughlin, the head boys basketball coach at Adams Freeman. Is it, is it just Freeman these days, coach, or is it Adams Freeman? No, j- just Freeman. Just Freeman. All right. I, wanted, I, I didn't know how old school to go with that there. So yep. uh, Freeman High School, uh, down by Beatrice, Nebraska, straight south of Lincoln, for those of you that are geography majors. Uh, really looking forward to our conversation here with Coach McLaughlin. Uh, but before we get to that, of course, we need to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here. <coughs> Excuse me. Got me so choked up about that, I couldn't even talk. Uh, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Uh, check out their website, COSAC, K-O-S-A-K, Cairo, C-H-I-R-O dot com. Follow us on a pen and a napkin on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on their Twitter handle. Uh, again, I have just stunk at that lately, and I recognize that, but I've been really busy with my own team and doing stuff like that. So it will be taken care of. Don't worry. We're going to get back on the uh, we're going to get back on the horse with the napkin sooner rather than later. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, download, rate, review, give us five stars. Make sure that you uh, leave a nice review here. Uh, coaches that uh, are looking for a coaching basketball podcast, the more you do that, uh, the more we move up in the rankings, and, and that helps out the pod and everybody else. Also, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Jim McLaughlin, catching him in between youth games this Sunday afternoon. Coach, how's the day going with your with your youngsters? Oh, it's going uh, going well. So uh, my daughter does a little uh, three-on-three uh, first-grade basketball, and it's just kind of her first weekend of it. And so it's kind of fun watching her. And then I coach my second-grade uh, boy, and just uh, we just got done playing uh, Jimmy Motes' Uh, his second grade boy as well. So it's kind of fun to, to watch these kids compete and then have relationships with the coaches beyond that. So good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, coach, I'm, I'm really excited. We've been, we've been kind of circling each other the last couple of weeks, but we finally narrowed down some time to, to chat here. Really excited to uh, take what we talk about and put it on, on the tape here. And, and uh, let's just get started the way that we normally do here. Coach, tell us a little bit about your, your basketball background, your basketball journey and, and how you've been at Freeman now for, uh, I, I believe this is year 20 that you, that you've been yep. down there. So uh, tell us, tell us uh, how you ended up down at Freeman high. Well, um, I'm originally from Sutton, Nebraska. Um, and so I grew up, you know, doing all the sports there and, and, uh, coach Bonsberg was my basketball coach in high school. And, uh, he's had a huge impact on my life. And, um, you know, the, the three sports I did football, basketball, and, and track, you know, like my favorite was probably basketball, but I was probably the, uh, uh, not very successful at it type type situation, but I really like the X's and O uh, standpoint of it and um, the competitive nature of every possession and and those type of things, um, you know. And and from high school, I, I ended up running track at Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, you know, it's probably my best sport, but probably my least favorite in high school. But uh, you know, when you get to college and you're around other kids that really enjoy uh, track, it. it you know, the team aspect of things, you know, was kind of really fun and, and, uh, met some really, you know, great people there and, and, um, you know, friends and to, you know, a little bit different, um, 
um, competitive climate. It's more self-driven, you know, probably than, than, uh, some other sports, but, um, but, you know, like, you know, I always enjoyed the basketball and I always watched it, you know, throughout college. And, and at that time I would just DVR games and then I'd go back and I'd, you know, kind of write down some of the plays that, you know, some of those college teams were running, um, you know, and so I always kind of knew I wanted to be a basketball coach as I was going through, through college. And, and, um, you know, after college I had a great opportunity to go down to Freeman, um, you know, Dr. Bob Mickle uh, was the principal AD at the time, um, and that was my only interview. And and uh, for whatever reason, he he gave me an opportunity, and I'm forever thankful for him. Um, you know, to to hire me, and um, you know, I've I've enjoyed it, and and um, you know, never really looked at other jobs. I've, I've always enjoyed Freeman and I always told myself, you know, if it's good enough for coach cook, it's probably good enough for me. And, and, uh, you know, he's been, he was there for a long time. So, um, now he happens to be my neighbor. So that's kind of nice. So, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's a nice thing or not to have cookie out the back door, but, uh, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. He's one of the best, well, man. He's awesome. Yeah. When I, and when I first started down there, I still lived in Lincoln. Um, you know, but a lot of those, you know, Friday, Saturday games, I just spend the night at coach's house and, and, um, and so he's been, you know, great to me and, and, um, made a big impact on, on, you know, how, how much that community has impacted my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you come in young, uh, Jim, I mean, you had to yeah. be what, 22, 23 or so, yep. you know, yep. and, and you're, you're a first time head coach. I mean, that had to be, uh, a, a transition there, there, there had to be, there, there had to be some obvious growing pains as you went through that process. And as you figured out who you were as a coach, what was, uh, what was that like for you being such a, being such a young guy straight out of college, uh, being put in charge of a, of a program in a community, which really values its athletics. I mean, Freeman is, uh, they they want to win and and they yeah. make no bones about it so you know what what was that growth process like for you yeah no i mean um you know yeah i mean it was my first first time coaching um hadn't been an assistant you just kind of got thrown right into the head coaching job and and that's what i wanted i mean i i wanted to be a head coach i guess um you know i'm really fortunate i guess you know that first year i had six seniors and those six seniors were really good about uh being receptive of of what i wanted to do uh the year before they played all two three zone um you know they had a really good player the year before that kind of carried the load for him and he's a good friend of mine now um and, um, you know, some of those kids that played on that first year, you know, are good friends of mine. One was in my wedding, I, you know, and so, um, but they were really great. You know, they were great. They were very receptive to, to the things that I wanted to try to implement, um, you know, for our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but the parents were great too. And that's, that's kind of that thing is that first year we were 12 and 11. Um, the next year we weren't very good. Um, you know, we we're four and 19, um, but had two really good freshmen, um, you know, Elliot Mensel and Ryan Busboom and Ryan would be Danny's little brother. Yeah. Um, and, and so you knew that, you know, some talent was kind of coming up. And so, you know, that was kind of exciting. Um, but like those parents 
were really good to me um, in terms of we didn't have a ton of success on the court, you know, so to speak, with the win record, you know, um, but they're really patient. And Gene Buss, who I can't speak enough about him, like he was really good about having conversations and suggesting things uh, that made it still feel like it was your idea. Uh Like it was never, um, you know, you should be doing this. Like, what, what are you thinking? You know, he was he was tremendous in terms of building my confidence, um, you know, and and I thought that was great. You know, there's another kid that would have been a year behind him, Lynn Schlake, um, would, or Kyle Schlake, Lynn would be his dad. Lynn has coached um, uh, the girls at SCC and Beatrice for a number of years. I think he got out now that they moved to Lincoln. Um the, the girls basketball team moved to Lincoln, but he was great. Obviously, very knowledgeable guy, but never made me feel like you know what are you doing? Um, you know that's completely wrong. Like it was very receptive, and he would come to practice and and just sit there and watch and observe, and then provide a little feedback that was that was usually really positive, and really good. So you know, um, and that I guess helped me grow along the way. Um, you know, and then after you know, kind of once we got it started, you know, we we've, we've been on a pretty good roll. So. But I'm glad they allowed me to make those mistakes. And I guess if there's young coaches out there that are listening, it's like, you know, don't get frustrated, and, you know, and, and and pack it in before you really have a chance to learn through some of your mistakes. And I guess if there's parents that are listening, you know, understand that, you know, there can be a value, you know, in in mistakes, you know, if, if, if the individual reflects on it and, and learns and grows and, and um, I guess I'm, I feel really fortunate that I was able to learn and grow, um, you know, and kind of see this process through a little bit. Well, yeah. And, and you know, what it's it's getting harder and harder to attract teachers, uh, let alone coaches into the profession uh, for, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but one of the, the biggest ones that people point out is, you know, people. <laughs> the people yeah. that you have to work with and and sometimes it's administrators and sometimes it's parents and then and I don't again that's painting with a very very broad brush but you know what are some things that that you and I Jim as 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 we say on a pen and a napkin seasoned and experienced uh coaches uh what are, what are some things what are some some ge- suggestions that you have for young coaches to to keep those chins up to get them into the coaching profession in the first place to to try and and keep them engaged when the chips get down a little bit, you get that first bad parent email or uh, the first, uh, just the ugly stuff that sometimes crops up that uh, takes away from all the positives that come out of doing this profession for a long time. Yeah. um, You know, I I guess, you know, it's, it's probably tough to put into words, but I think you just really have to probably believe in yourself and, and, probably try to separate from this, from the, I guess the job to this is what you, um, you know, this is your, um, calling, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, if, if you're only, um, you know, looking at the wins and losses or the pats on the back, then it's probably a job. Yeah. If you're looking at, at the, um, um, the whole picture of, of trying to build these young guys into and the good dads and, and, and good husbands and, and, you know, successful business people, um, you know, then it's probably more of a calling. And, and so I guess I would, I would say, believe in yourself, you know, watch film, 
uh, go to coaches clinics, um, you know, buy the championship products, you know, like that's been huge to me growing up, you know, uh, as a coach was, you know, going to all those clinics and getting those videos and, and really diving into what you want to be as a coach. And, and, uh, but ultimately like you have to have a lot of self-confidence and what you think is right. Even though other people might disagree with you, um, you just got to believe in what you're doing and, and sell that to the kids. And, mm-hmm. and as long as the kids are buying into it, you know, the, you know, the outside noise probably doesn't mean much. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the importance of leaning on people, I think is, uh, big as well. And, and you talked about one guy already, Ken Cook. Let's, let's dive into a couple of people that you listed coach here. Let's, let's, and I put Cook on there. Yeah. Uh, you didn't, you, you know, uh, but, uh, I, I think when you're talking about somebody like Ken Cook, who I was very blessed to work with, with, a for a couple of summers with the Pinnacle Bank teams back in the day, uh, just, just a, a terrific coach, terrific mentor, uh, you know, but, and, and you, like you said, he's your neighbor. So, yeah. you know, what, what type of influence has he had on your career? Oh, he's had a huge impact. I mean, like, um, you know, the success he had was obviously, you know, unmeasured by anybody, uh, to, you know, um, you know, in, in the girls basketball world, um, but even, you know, even with football, he was highly successful. Um, but like his impact with me is he, he, he's just so kind and, um, uh, you know, and he's a, he's somebody you can talk with and he's very supportive. And even now, like I get texts from him after games, you know, like you're doing great things with these kids, you know, and building up and, you know, even this morning, he, you know, he called, I missed the call cause I was at church, but I'm, I'm sure this morning he was probably checking in on me because we took one, um, you know, on the chin last night with Auburn. And so I just, you know, just his support, um, and, uh, and this feedback is, is things I've really valued. And, and um, I mean, he's made Adams my home because, um, you know, how much he's helped me. So mm-hmm. uh, how about Dana Wellman uh, down at uh, Nebraska Westland? Yeah, so I got to know him just through um, – I, I was really good friends with the uh, SID there. Um, you know, we went to college together, and he, t- he had a couple other SID gigs before he came back to uh, to Wesleyan. So I kind of connected with, with Coach Wellman through a friend of mine. Um, and at that kind of that time, you know – you know, he's bringing in the Princeton actions and the offense to Wesleyan. They're having a ton of success offensively. You know, we had a group that was kind of coming up that I thought, you know, that that offense kind of tailored a little bit. I thought I probably needed to change, you know, what we were doing uh, offensively. And so, you know, I talked to him a lot about what they did and how they coached it. And, and um, you know, he was really supportive of, of showing me those things. I, I attended a number of their practices, um, you know, and then, and then that season that we kind of went full go on it, um, you know, after every game, you know, if a team did something that, that affected us, you know, I'd call and say, Hey, what do you do if they're, you know, switching the rub cut, you know, or what are they doing if, if um, you know, this and this, and, and he was really good about, you know, helping me through those things. So, um, so yeah, he's been he's been a big part of I guess my offensive mindset because I've been so defensive oriented probably uh, throughout most of my coaching career. And then of course the man, the myth, the legend. We just simply refer to him as G. 
uh, in, in our little world. But Mr. Andy yeah. Gerlez, uh what about G that has been so influential for you? Yeah, well, I refer to him as Team Twelve. So, okay. um, so, um, so he got a he got the girls' job at Sutton, and um, you know, I was you know, I this is years ago, so we were young. Um, I didn't have a family, and so I'd go back and I'd play golf league with him, uh-huh. um, you know, and I'd just make the commute back, and and then I'd spend the night at my parents' house, and then you know, get up, and, you know, and come back for weights and open gym and all those sort of things. Um, but like, you know, G or Team Twelve, we were Team Twelve for for uh, for golf league, and so you know, we would we would you know sit there and pen and a paper, napkin, whatever, draw things up. You know, we would swap films out. We'd talk about, you know, hey, I just watched this video, and he'd have a box of them. I'd have a box, and his boxes were usually had a lot more. He must have, must have had a little more money than I did, I guess, but. Um, you know, he's been great, I guess, from that standpoint of, of just somebody I could, I could lean on, um, you know, with, with things that, you know, X's and O's and things like that. He's just become a really good friend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we had a lot of fun doing, doing the golf league stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, he went, he went, uh, he would, one season he was, he started left-handed and about, about middle of June, he switched over to right-handed. Like, I don't think there's ever been another person that has ever done that. So, and he'd shoot about the same every round. It didn't matter if it was right-handed, left-handed. He was, he was about the same score every time. Well, when you're dealing with that type of supreme athleticism, you can kind of do just whatever you want. You know, there's, there's LeBron, there's Kobe, there's Tyreek Hill, and then there's, then there's Andy Gerlaz, you know, so I, I get it. I get it, Jim. I really do. No doubt. Yeah. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Um, you know, you've, uh, you've got a unique uh, situation, Jim. Uh, you're also the cross-country coach, and I think of, of how many coaches I've talked to on this platform. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had that particular crossover of cross country, which I, I know there's some team aspect to it, uh, yep. but, but it's largely individual, uh, and, and getting your time and running your time. Uh, but then, you know, basketball, you're, you're so dependent on the four other people on the floor on both ends of it. Uh, and, and you've been successful at both, you know, uh, you know, how have you, how have you melded these these two worlds together that most people from the outside looking in would would say, man, there's nothing in common with these two sports, uh, but yet he, he's done a really good job with both? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously having good kids makes a huge impact in both basketball and, and running, um, you know, but I, I guess like with cross country is, yes, it is individual based, um, but when you have that team aspect, you're not only held accountable because you want to do well, but you also want to do well for the team. And so like this year is really exciting because, because our boys team was really good. And um, it was the first time we've had a girls uh, team. Um, We've had girls out, but 
never enough to score as a team. And so, you know, this year we had both a girls team and a boys team. And, and um, you know, and I guess I shouldn't say that's the first because um, when we originally started cross country, I think it was back in 07, 08, we had only girls uh, at the time. And then it took a little hiatus there for, I don't know, a decade or so. And then we've added it back. Uh, in the last, I think, five years. I think we added it back five years ago as a boys and girls mm-hmm. uh, sport. But um, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a much more laid back. Uh, the kids are great. They're so nice to each other, um, you know, and and um, and so it's a little, uh, obviously, it's, you know, it's demanding in season from a time standpoint, but it's not, you know, I'm not scouting other runners or, yeah. you know, scouting courses and that sort of thing. So it's like when practice is over, it's, you know, kind of on to the next day a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. You're, but, you're, you're not breaking down film of strides or, yeah, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So. I do waste, I do waste a lot of time though, probably getting on and, and seeing what other schools are doing for their times and, mm-hmm. and runners there. But, but, um, but no, I think, I mean, cross country and I coach track too, you know, like those athletes, I mean, they just got to be so mentally tough with, mm-hmm. with everything. And, and we talk a lot about that. I mean, there's going to be a voice in your head, you know, you, you need to control the narrative of that voice and, you know, you want it to be positive. You can do this. You've got this, you know, not, Oh my gosh, I still have two more miles to run, um, you know, voice. So, mm-hmm. so we talk a lot about the mental side of things. So, yeah, well, and, and I think, uh, one of the clips that I saw in preparing for today, uh, one of your players, and I forget which one from what season or whatever it was, but he he talked about the importance of high standards and expectations, and that's obviously something that that you have in place uh, with with all of these various sports that you're doing. You know, uh, you know, how do you communicate that to to your kids? How do you establish those standards? What are what are some of the uh, top tier standards that you have in your programs uh, to to help get your kids to that point where they're having the success that they're having. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of a, I don't know, it's probably a little bit of a two sided question. You know, I I think as coaches, we obviously can make huge um, impacts and and what we want our culture to be. Um, you know, we want. You know, I guess in, in the various sports that I do, you know, I'll, I guess I'll speak basketball, you know, like we really want, um, you know, effort and accountability and, and, you know, doing the things you're supposed to be doing and, and, um, you know, all those sort of things, you know, and like, and that, like I said, as coaches, I feel like we can really influence that, but ultimately it falls on the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that really hold each other accountable and really set the bar where they want to set it um and i've been really fortunate that our kids at freeman have chose to set the bar really really high mm-hmm. um and and it means that you sometimes you fall short um but you know it's it's better to set it high and fall short than it is to set it lower and always meet it i guess you yeah. know um and so you know like i said i've been really fortunate our kids have really bought into high standards and really bought into doing what it takes and all the preparation and you know i talk we talk a lot about winning's hard you know it's hard at whatever level you're coaching at um but we want it that way um and we we want all the separators to be separators you know the preparation the getting on huddle and watching clips um you know, coming in and shooting on your own. Like we want all those things to factor into the winning, not just 
skill level and talent. You know, we want, you know, being first to the floor. We want, um, you know, being unselfish. We want, um, you know, the weight room, all those things to be separators for us to have a chance year in and year out. You know, yeah, it absolutely helps when you have talent, but if, um, you know, if it just came down to talent, we'd be a 500 team. Yeah. You know, we want, we want our ability to control those intangibles to be a factor in whether or not we win games. So well, and, we, want and, winning, we want winning to be hard is basically kind of our mantra. We want it to be hard because that gives us a chance. Yeah. Well, and part of the responsibility that you have as a head coach, and I've, I've used this line, my team this year, we're really, really young. I mean, we are really, yep. really young. And part of my explanation of my role and what we need to do is, hey, I, you have to understand that I'm, I'm not going to make anything up. I'm not going to invent uh, circumstances or invent, you know, the, the mind game part of it that sometimes coaches can play with their players. Uh, but I'm going to hold you to a very high standard every day. And that takes a lot of energy for a coach to do. You, you know, it's, it's so much easier to ignore that for a day. But if you ignore it for a day, that can easily roll into another day. And then that yep. can roll into another. And, and I think that is, you know, that is one of the great challenges that we have to have as, as coaches is you have to hold the kids to a certain high standard every day. Even if your teams aren't very good, you still have high standards. Maybe the standard is not so much about, you know, winning and losing per se, but the expectation of preparation and effort and all of those things that you were talking about, Jim, uh, because, then when you do have the talent to do really good things, then the standards are in place and you're not building that up from the ground up. And that's, and, and that's what attracts good players. You know, yeah. if, if you are truly wanting to be a really, really good player, you want people to hold you accountable. If, if you're talented, but you don't want people to hold you accountable, uh, then you're going to have trouble not only in basketball or any other sport, but in life as well. And I think that's really important that we remember that as coaches. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I think you're 100% right on that. And, and it is exhausting and it's tough as a coach, you know, to have those, that high standard that they need to meet every drill or every practice. Um, and so I know we talk a lot and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, you know, when it's player led, you know, then that helps, you know, and that's why I think, you know, the second half of that is the kids have to have that really good culture too mm-hmm. um, because then it takes a lot off the coach's shoulders, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, when it is player led and those are obviously more enjoyable than it being a uh, coach led team. But like I tell the kids, like there's going it, to, it's going to be led by somebody. You yeah. guys figure that out. If it's going to be me, then it's going to be me. Um, but you know, it means probably more and it's coming from you and your peers uh, and your teammates. Um, and that's probably the thing that's probably changed, you know, the most in the, you know, the 20 years, which is a, a short term 
um, you know, compared to some people that have been after this for, you know, 30, 35 years, um, you know, is probably when I first started coaching, I think the players were fine with it being coach led. Mm -hmm. Now I think, you know, player led means a lot more. And so, you know, as a coach, you got to give these kids empowerment to be able to lead and hold each other accountable. And you can't always be the one that does that because again, I think it has a bigger impact when it's coming from their teammates than it is sometimes when it comes from you. So well, I think that's been the most enjoyable thing this year is, is I could almost circle the day that that happened with, with my current team, you know, and it was probably, uh, you know, right around December 10th, you know? So, I mean, you were almost three weeks, three and a half weeks, four weeks into the year and, and it, and it switched and these kids have been great about it. Um, and then it kind of takes a lot off your shoulders as a coach. Yeah, and and we kind of had the same thing just as recently as last week. Last last Thursday we had we were terrible. I mean, we were just yeah. awful in practice. And and I finally called him in. I'm like, "Do you guys just want to go home?" I, I didn't yell at him or anything. Yeah. I was just like, "You want to go home?" I mean, cuz this is this is not being productive for anybody right now. Um and they kind of circled up and and there was some talk and and we we finished some things uh better than what we did and I said, "Okay, you know, get out of here. And they were planning on having a team meal that night. And I think it was a much needed team meal. Um, they went out, had a team meal together they had, that they had planned like a week before. Um, and I just said, hey, get out of here. I understand. We're going to have a bad practice. It, it's just going to happen. It's yeah. just the nature of the beast. But we can't have two bad practices in a row. And, and to give all my kids just full credit and and I feel like hopefully this is a, a, a one of those miniature turning points for our season. Uh, we came back on Friday and man Jim we had a great practice for about 80 85 minutes. We we really yep. came in, worked really hard, great positive energy and and I and I think those things hopefully have tied together to where uh, that may be a little bit of a, a nugget that will give us the final push that we that we want to have to put us in the best situation as we as we move forward. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. you know, you, you talk about mental toughness there. Yeah. Um, your team had to be pretty mentally tough. You had to be mentally tough a little bit as a coach these these last three years. Uh, you've been to the state tournament the last three years. Um, last year, you won a state championship. Uh, but the two years before that, you uh, you lost in the first round of the state tournament, and, and you were a very high seed uh, both yeah. of those times. Uh, sometimes that stuff can kind of get in teams' heads and, uh, it can kind of, you know, uh, it, it can be sometimes a, a deterrent, uh, mentally. Uh, how did you, uh, and more importantly, your kids kind of, you know, I don't want to call it circle the wagons, but to a degree you went in this last season. What was different about this state tournament run as opposed to the couple of years before that? Well, you know, it, I guess... You know, we've been pretty fortunate at Freeman. Um, when we have made state, you know, we've we've been able to win the first round uh, game and, and, you know, be able to play, you know, uh, a couple more games, although some of those years, you know, we end up finishing fourth. But, um, you know, I think, you know, three years ago when we lost to Cedar Catholic in the first round, I mean, the tough thing to swallow there is we had an eight-point lead with about four minutes to go. Uh, and, yeah. and I probably got pretty conservative as a coach and, and – you know, that got our guys maybe playing on the heels a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, we learned a lot from that failure. And, you know, the seniors on that group, you know, like hopefully they felt 
a part of last year's run, um, you know, because obviously their their career came to an end, you know, at Lincoln Northeast, and you always feel bad about that, and that's still, you know, I'll always be a tough loss for me, you know, no matter how long I've coached. Um, but, you know, last year, you know, having the success we had at State, you know, especially playing Cedar Catholic in the semifinals and then playing Amherst, who beat us two years ago uh, in the first round, um, you know, getting a, you know, kind of having a little redemption against those teams, I guess was kind of a good closure for that, that group of kids. Um, you know, I think, you know, just with the new sub-state district final format, um, you know, it gets eight really good teams to stay. And so like yeah. seeds probably don't matter as much anymore. Yep. I agree. Um, you know, and, and, um, and you got to find a way to win three, you know, three tough games. And, and, um, um, and so, you know, I was really happy with those kids that they had the success. And I mean, we very easily could have, could have, um, you know, got bounced again and, and, you know, left a sour taste in your mouth, but I don't think it, it changes the, the journey that those kids had through mm-hmm. the last couple of years. So. Was, do you think they had, uh, you always appreciate a state championship. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but because of that, what was it, was it a little bit sweeter? For sure. You yeah. know, and like those kids that, that, um, you know, they're such a big part of our program and, and, you know, uh, because we didn't have any seniors two years ago out, um, you know, so it's kind of the same collection of kids, um, you know, for, a 24 month window. Um, you know, and one thing I heard, I think it was coach Simon or, uh, at West side, um, say, you know, he had a quote that said, we want, we don't want to be the same team next year. We want to be, we want to be different or something on those lines. Um, and, you know, even though we were returning everybody, we didn't want just to be a year better. That's what it was. We didn't want to be a year better. We wanted to, or we didn't want to be a year older. We wanted to be a year better. That's uh-huh. what it was. Yep. All right. Yep. Yeah, get there in a roundabout way. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I read that. I, I, I think you had it in the paper, and I'm like, all right, that's kind of the buy-in that we had to get these kids to understand is, you know, yeah, we're all return next year, but we wanted to be a year better, uh, not just one year older. So. Uh-huh. Um, and the kids really bought into that. So that's, you know, when, when you then see it all the way out and you can win the state championship, it's like, it's just a really cool experience knowing how much it was invested, um, into that season. So the last couple of seasons, even with that group. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, at this time, uh, we want to delve into the readings and the musings of 
the GOAT, John Wooden here. Uh, we're going to pull out the John Wooden quote of the day. Coach McLaughlin, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I'm ready. All right. So from Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, uh, this is found on page 59 uh, over into page 60 here. It's a little bit of a longer one here, Coach, so bear with me as I read through this. Uh, but here is the John Wooden quote of the day. Goals should be difficult to achieve because those achieved with little effort are seldom appreciated, give little personal satisfaction, and are often not very worthwhile. However, if you set goals that are so idealistic there's no possibility of reaching them, you will eventually become discouraged and quit. They become counterproductive. Be a realistic optimist. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Um, you know, I think like when you set goals, you know, you want to set them, you know, to, to drive you to work hard and, um, you know, be focused on something that's bigger than yourself. I, I think kids, especially like when they feel like they've earned something that they've worked really, really hard for, it can build a, a self-confidence. Mm hmm. Um, you know, amongst themselves, um, you know, that, that leads them, you know, way past the, the basketball court. Um, you know, I think it builds better character within them, um, you know, and, but on the other hand, you know, you don't want to discourage because you set your goal so high. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there's got to be a realistic goal towards a realistic um, idea towards your goals. But, you know, we always think that it's better to set them high and, and fall short, yeah. you know, and they kind of readjust, um, you know, based on on your shortcomings. But but uh, but obviously, I think there's a lot of value in and striving. And, and even if you do fall short, you know. Um, you can still achieve greatness and, and yeah. uh, a lot of self-worth, um, you know, through through that perseverance. Well, yeah, I mean, it's okay to fail. You, you yeah. need to fail every once in a while. We all need to fail every once in a while. Uh, it, it, it gets that, you know, if you're a true competitor, it's going to put that fire in your belly. It's going to make you want to work harder the next time. Uh, but like I said, you can't, if your only goal every year is to win a state championship, you're going to have a very short career, uh, and, it's, and it's not going to be a very satisfying career because if that's your only goal and that's the only thing that's going to make you happy, uh, boy, it, I, I feel sorry for you. Uh, for and, sure. and you're, for you're, sure. you're not going to get there. So yeah, I know we talk a lot about you know like because there's so many uh, you know variables with winning. Yeah, you know it's more like we just we want to try to play to our standard. Yeah. Um, you know, try to become the best team we can be, and every year's different. Yep. Um, you know, just based on your personnel at a small school. Um, but if we feel like if we're getting close to achieving, you know, our uh, best version of ourselves, then we're we're hitting our goal, which is just to be you know, the best version of us. So, yeah. um, because I mean, shoot, you know, your best player could get an injury. I mean, you, you know, you could get foul trouble at the wrong time. Your shooting percentage, maybe you have a bad shooting night, you know, yep. in a big game, you know, it's like, there's so many other things that factor into winning and losing that, you know, it's, it's hard to have that as a goal. Yeah. I mean, especially in our situation where it's, it's one game, you know, it's, it's not yep. the NBA best of seven, uh, or, or anything like that. So, we, we often, we, we really don't, 
you know, in our program, I feel like we really don't talk a lot about winning or losing. We, we talk about, hey, if we want to be successful, here's the things we need to do. Here's the scouting report. We need to yeah. take away number 25 on the block or, or, or we need to make sure that number 42 doesn't get any catch and shoot threes. We got to move, move that gal off the line or whatever. But, yeah. but it's, it's, it's about consistent standards. We have the same game goals, uh, statistically every game for the team. Uh, yep. we, we, we try to keep it steady. We talk about shot quality, not shot makes. Uh, if we take good shots, more often than not, they're going to go in. Doesn't mean that they're going to always go in. You know, so so things like that. I th- I think that. Uh, but but we do set them really really high. Uh, but they're also high enough that we can reach them. And we've had we have we have ten game goals. Uh, usually we land somewhere in the four to six range, uh, the four out of 10 to six out of 10. We've had a couple of games this year where we had one, you know, we, I think we had one game where we had zero. We played pretty poorly that night. Uh, but we also had, uh, a couple of games where we had seven or eight. We had one game where we got nine out of 10, you know, so it's realistic. It's, it's doable. You just really have to concentrate and, and do it. And I think, uh, you know, if, if you're a coach that's worth their salt, in my opinion, you always set the standard a little bit higher rather than setting it a little bit lower because once they reach that reachable high standard, now you've really got them and they really feel like they've accomplished it, not something that you have set the bar low enough so that they can do it, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So with your 10 game goals, like how many do you feel like you need to hit to have a, uh, a good chance of winning. Oh, wow. You know what? <laughs> uh, I would say five or six. Five you know, or six? Five or six. Yeah. You know, um, you know, they they are, and, and I know I've had them out here, so folks that are, are, are consistent listeners, I apologize for going through them again. Uh, hold, hold our opponents to 45 points or less. Uh, get 53% of all rebounds. Foul 16 or less times a game. Uh, turn it over 15 or less times, shoot 40% as a team, and make as many free throws as the other team attempts. Um, yeah, that, that's a big one. I, I'm telling you, that's uh, uh, there's a lot of value in that. When you make more than other team attempts, I mean, I think you win 90% of your games just based on that alone. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and what we struggled with early in the year, we've gotten better at it. We were fouling way, way too much. Now, Again, building with a young team, we wanted yeah. to be aggressive, so we were willing to hang. You know, we're okay with over aggressiveness early on, but it, it got to the point where man, we we were just like like we were Rocky Balboa hitting sides of beef in the in the cooler there, you know. Yeah. And, and so we we really had to start preaching more of that, like okay, girls. You know, this is six games in a row where the yeah. other team is shooting X amount of free throws, or we're here in this category. We're plus twenty in the fouls, and you know this is why these games are are too close, or why you know we we yeah. can't put we can't put our opponent on the line this much, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, but by keeping that consistent, not adjusting it from game to game, I, I think that that helps with okay. If we just stay around this number, and if we get below this number, man, look at our look at our success rate. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, and I think the new foul rules obviously, you know, have been good for the game, I think. So Yeah. Well, I think it I think it rewards the, the team that's playing better. Uh the team yeah. that stays more disciplined. I I think it was Gurles, actually. Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember who I was talking to, but you know, you can legitimately foul the other team sixteen times in a game and they don't shoot a free throw. 
Yeah. But, you know, if you're fouling at the right place at the right time and you stay yeah. disciplined and you stay out of the bonus, then you should be rewarded for that, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, hey, Jim, let's, let's, uh, yeah. let's get into some of your stuff. I really want to talk some defense with you. Uh, okay. you're, you're a defense first guy. It was very apparent with the stuff that you sent me that, that, uh, that is something that you're really passionate about. Right. Um, let's talk, uh, let's, let's just go. I, I want to take this in three steps. Uh, I want to okay. talk about your transition D and then I want to talk about your half court defensive philosophy and then maybe talk a little drill work and, and some of the things that you guys do down there at Freeman to, to install a, a, a defensive mindset, uh, defensive technique, uh, all of that type of stuff. Uh, okay. so, uh, I'll try to politely interrupt if I feel the need to, but right now I'm just going to let you cook coach and, and, and let's start with that transition defensive philosophy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I, I guess on like the first day of practice, we always work transition defense, um, you know, whatever, uh, first day in November. And the thing that we really stress to the guys is you have to make the game five on five. And if you want to ever beat anybody that has equal talent or more talent than you, you've got to get back in defense and you got to, you know, get that five on five situation. Cause if the other team's more talented or equal talented, and they're always in a numerical advantage situation, three versus two, four versus three, that type of thing, you know, you're going to have a real hard time defending. Um, and so we really just talk about, you know, the number one thing defensively for us to be a championship level team is to get back on defense. Um, and that's not trying to, um, you know, sacrifice offensive rebounding. Cause I think if you can steal possessions and, and things like that on the old boards, it's huge. But, you know, we want to crash and then we want to get back and it's an effort thing and it's a discipline thing and in that type of situation. So are, are, do you have designated get back guys? Uh, do you have designated crashers? Is it, you know, if you're here on the floor, get back. If you're below this point, crash. How do you how do you do it? We I mean, we typically we want to send four to the boards. Um you know, sometimes um, we don't have designated get back guys. We say, you know, the ball side guard is our get back. And so that would change from possession to possession. Um, some years, um, you know, we might have one guy that we just say are always the get back. Um, so then we might only send three to the boards. You know, we'll kind of look and be like, Jesus, you know, this kid only has four, offense, four offensive rebounds in 19 games. You know, he's probably you know, probably just be better just tell them to get back, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but uh, we really want our guys to be aggressive and, and hopefully, like I said, you know, um, you know, we shoot a lot of threes. So it's like, you know, if you're going to shoot a lot, you're probably going to miss a lot. So you want to kind of get a couple of those misses, you know, on O boards. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so we try to send, you know, three or four every time and the ball side guard just has to get back. So, yep. Um, what are uh, a couple of drills that that you run to really emphasize your your defensive transition uh, philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's anything like groundbreaking. Um, you know, it's more just things that we emphasize. You know that you know you can't. You know, the the first three or four steps in transition, we got to be a dead sprint. Uh, those type of things. When we do play teams that are really good in transition, um, one drill that we really like, it's it's four on four um, and they do the little toss off the backboard and it's just we're, our colors are blue and white so we just all do it blue and white and then I'll blow the whistle when um, the offensive team gets the ball and then it's a dead sprinkle in the other way and, and with that drill, 
we really like to try to pitch it ahead because I mean we're a big matchup team. We you know we like to say you know you're on number twelve, you're on number thirty, you know. Um, but against good transition teams, you got to be able to communicate, and so that drill really um, forces I guess our guys to have to point, talk, mm-hmm. you know figure out who they're guarding and get the ball stopped. I mean, that's kind of the big thing is we want to get the ball stopped before it gets, um, you know, inside the arc, inside the paint, that type of thing. But, um, but I mean, we're not a big drill team when it comes to transition. It's more just like something we try to really emphasize. Yeah. Just, just a consistent preaching. Yeah. But, but when we have a team that's really good transition, then, you know, we, we, um, you know, we'll have a five to eight minute session on that transition stuff that they kind of just reemphasize it to the guys that if you don't get back, it's going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, how do you how do you transition that into your your half court defensive philosophy? So, I mean, I guess you know, I guess my whole thing is I hate giving up easy buckets. You know, so it's like. You know, of course, you know, offensive teams would like to pitch it ahead, throw it into the post, you know, rim runner, you know, get a layup, you know. So it's like I don't don't like giving up easy buckets, um, you know. And so I guess, you know, if we can make it five on five and then just within our structure of the five on five, um, you know, we really try to do a good job of guarding the ball. We'll switch some dribble handoffs, um, random ball screens, that type of stuff, because we always want to try to have – our body between the ball and the rim, you know, and, and, you know, plug gaps and, and that type of stuff, you know, like we're probably a deny type team, although, you know, it's really hard and, and, today's basketball because people are so skilled with the ball that we probably end up being a little bit more of a, you know, plug gaps, Mm -hmm. um, you know, type thing, you know, it's like at the beginning of the year when you talk shell where, you know, we're talking online up line, get a hand in the passing lane, but you know, there's probably some slippage when the game actually starts and we're probably more, you know, plug gaps, you know, try to force things up. Uh, you know, a little bit away from the arc, but not completely denying where we get back at and things like that. And I, I suppose like when the shot clock comes in, you know, I'll really probably spend like this summer really studying if we want to become more of a pack line type team or kind of stay with what we're at now. And, you know, I'm kind of excited just to, to you know, look at some different things, how, how we can help ourselves be even better. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same type of thing. Uh, what, what's what's some of the the work that you do uh, to to really gear up that uh, that half court defense? What are what's some of the drills that you well, you know outside yeah. of shell drill and that type of thing? So like you know we we've done a lot this year. Probably something we call technique guarding. Um, you know, it's a version of, of probably, um, you know, a beat to spot. Um, I did notice last year we do this beat to spot basically. It's like a zigzag type thing, you know, mm-hmm. where the defense is really working full court wise, beating to the spot. And, you know, um, I guess <laughs> I think it's probably hard to stay in a defensive stance, shuffle that whole thing, you know. So it's like you just beat into a spot and you're trying to sprint to the next spot. You know, it's probably a little bit more game like. You know, but um, we would do that probably within the first 15 minutes of practice. And I kind of noticed our practices that we did beat the spot weren't very good after that. So it's like, okay, you know, what's the common denominator here? Well, beat the spot tends to maybe zap our energy level or, 
you know, whatever. And so you, we just kind of stopped doing beat the spot last year and, you know, practices got better when we didn't do it, but we added in like what we call technique guarding and it's more sideline to sideline and it still zigzag. Um, but the emphasis there is on kind of your push step and covering ground and playing defense with your feet. Um, and, um, and so we really kind of emphasize that. Um, and I think like for us this year, that's been really good. Um, you know, now, now that it's February, we kind of battle, um, you know, the boredom that comes with that drill, you know, but we try to preach, you know, that you can't get bored with the basics, you know, and this is why we've gotten better defensively because we're better playing with our, with our feet and, you know, um, you know, just, it's really you know, basketball is for us is is we're not going to steal on the ball anyway. So it's like, don't put yourself in a bad position. Can you reach in? You know, we want to be active with our hands, try to get deflections on that dribble pass. Um, but we really just preach moving moving our feet and trying to, uh, you know, play defense with our feet, not our hands. So How, uh, you know, I, I'm going off script on you here, yeah. Jim, so I apologize. But you kind of bring that up with changing your practice philosophy just based on a, a drill or two or what you're going to, to, to take in and take out uh, or put in and take out. Yeah. Uh, you know, just how important is that self-reflection, you know, day after day, week after week? You know, these are things that we can control as coaches. You know, you know, was that your idea? Was it an assistant that kind of pointed it out? Or, and, and just how important is that to, to be aware of those type of things? Well, I mean, I think it's really important. I think you obviously want to have a good feel for your team. Um, you know, I don't recall if it was if it was if it was my idea, if it was assistant coach's idea. I do think like I really value my assistant coach's opinions, you know, and and so maybe it was uh, it was probably a common thing where you know we probably both noticed it and. And, you know, we talked about like, well, you know, like, is there value with this? Can we get something and do something else to create the same value? You know, cause it's like, you know, practice just kind of stinks after that, you know, for the next whatever, you know, and I'd rather have a better practice than be good at, you know, a five to eight minute drill that, you know, maybe we were doing. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but I really like, I, I, I really value my assistant coaches voices, you know, and, and so, um, yeah, so I don't. It, for us, it doesn't matter whose idea it is. You know, if it's if it's good, we're going to go with it. And and you know, I think reflecting as a coach and having a good feel for your team is is probably really valuable. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You know, on the flip side of that, uh, you had talked, uh, and one of the things that you wrote on the, the sheet that you gave me was, you know, offense, offensive stuff, offensive system, that type of thing. I'm not the best offensive coach. Uh, you know, offensive transition is an admitted weakness of mine. Um, 
you know, how important as you build your philosophy, how important is that to realize that and that you know what you are and what you are not good at to to help build your philosophy and help build your team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably important. Um, you know, I mean, you know, offense is obviously a lot easier to coach when you got kids that can make shots and, mm-hmm. you know, skilled, um, you know, with the ball in their hands and create their own offense. You know, I think, you know, offensively, you know, you got to have some really good things that that help kids get good shots. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and, you know, we're a little, we're a little more motion based this year, um, because I think we do have some kids that are really good with the ball in their hands. Um, you know, but, you know, in small school, you have to, I think, really adapt to your personnel. You know, sometimes we get really set heavy, um, you know, to, to get the shots we want. Um, and, um, you know, so it, you know, every year is different. It's kind yeah. of exciting, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to be a better transition team. I think, you know, it's an enjoyable, probably a little bit more enjoyable style. But I think there's some give and take with that, you know. And, again, I just always go back to, you know, I don't like giving up easy buckets. And, uh-huh. and other coaches probably don't either, you know. So it's like against the good teams, you know, that, that transition offense is really hard. But I suppose if I was better coaching it, maybe it would be better. But, mm-hmm. um you know, um, you know, I just, I, I, I just think if you go with that style, if you're going to be really transitioned, then you probably have to accept the fact that, you know, the pace of the game is probably going to mean the other team probably gets some easy things too. And yeah. I just have a hard time accepting that. <laughs> so. uh, well, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's completely understandable. I, you know, you can only, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Jim, but I, I think it was a uh, Jim Calhoun. I, I was reading one of his books that he wrote, and and one thing that really stuck with me out of that book was, you know, he made it w- when you're a younger coach, you you want to be great. We want to be great at rebounding, yeah. and we want to be able to press, but we really want to run efficient offense. And we want to do this. And we want to do that at a really high level. Okay, well that's great. You know, you know who did that? That was like the uh, the, the the Warriors with Durant and Curry and Clay. Yes. You, know, you know that type of thing. Uh, those teams are few and far between. Uh, you know, it's it's important. Uh, and again, this came from that Calhoun book. Yeah. If you can be really good at three, maybe four things, and then just try to compensate in every other area, that you know that's about as good as you can do. And and that should be your goal year in year out. Is that kind of where you're at as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we have kind of, you know, maybe pillars probably aren't the right word, but maybe like, you know, staples of our program that these are the things we're really going to focus on and and try to be good at. And, and, uh, you know, it's been, you know, somewhat successful. So, you know, we'll probably go with that. So Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and obviously it's worked really well. So, you know, you you keep doing what you're doing. So Um, let's – Let's wrap up with this here, Coach. Uh, let's talk about uh, your youth program, uh, developing that. Obviously, you're, you're, uh, you were doing some of that earlier today, and, and you're kind of in the middle of it as a dad as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, today, yeah, today was more dad. Um, <laughs> but you know, in years past, uh, when I didn't have kids in the basketball uh, youth stuff, you know, I'd still like to go watch the kids, whether it's a league or tournament. I think there's, I think it's really important as a head coach of your high school team to be invested with the 
the youth stuff and I and I stay out of the parent way you know the parents are giving up their time to coach their team you know and over the years sometimes they'll ask me questions like hey do you want me to do you know what do you want me to do and it's like you know do what you're comfortable doing you know try to play man that's what I usually always say try to play man um you know so kids get you know just the understanding of the man-to-man concepts but Mm -hmm. You know, like offensively and and set plays, route bounce plays. You know, like you know, mm-hmm. and then do what you want to do, I guess. And you know, there's a couple out of bounds plays that I've had in every year. You know, so you know, if it really comes to it, I you know, I can I can give you box one and box two because I'll be box one and box two to probably the day I stop coaching. So, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I'm really appreciative of the parents with the youth stuff. You know. And, and the time they're giving up to, to work with their kids and, and their their kids as classmates, too. So, mm-hmm. um, But, you know, we do a few different things, you know, here as coaches, you know, between the girls coach and myself, you know, that, um, you know, camps. And we do something called EBA, which is just our elementary basketball association. And, and um, you know, we've, we've changed some things up over the years. But I think it's really important to get, you know, your kids involved with skill development and, and just excited about you know basketball, and so we do we do a ton of stuff here that that just tries to promote our high school kids, and then uh, get the elementary kids excited about you know wanting to work hard, you know, and and you know be those high school kids someday. Yeah. Um, what what? How do you kind of set things up with that EBA? And and I'm and I'm guessing it 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 gets more intense, so to speak, as the kids get older. Uh, yeah. so, so, so how do you kind of have it set from the, from the ground up? And when I say ground up, you know, starting, you know, where do you start them at? Uh, what are you doing with them? That type of thing. And, and, you know, uh, yeah. How's it all fit together there? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, so when I first got here, I, I basically just did the things I was comfortable doing from my own past experiences and, and, uh, so Sutton, where I grew up had had what they called EBA and and that changed over the years. It was um, boys only and we we practice on Wednesday morning in elementary school and then you know would have a Saturday uh, game uh, and it's just it's just the kids from the school and so we started doing that here but you know we're a little bit bigger district and so we have kids that travel so we just we do an hour Saturday morning of practice fundamentals that type of thing and then and then they play a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's divided up between fourth, uh, fifth and sixth graders and we made it co-ed, uh, so then that way there's more teams and it wasn't just, you know, we're a smaller school, it wasn't just a handful of teams, you know, that gave us more teams when we went co-ed and it's, it's good, you know, for, for boys that have to play with girls and share the basketball and, you know, as a fourth grader, it's usually tough to have success against fifth or sixth graders, but, yep. you know, they're excited to be on a team and, and, you know, someday they'll be the, you know, the sixth grader that's kind of leading the fourth graders. So, yep. um, so that's been good. Um, and, and we've done that, um, you know, this year, you know, I guess we're going to have to do some reflection and, and change things up a little bit. Um, you know, just with youth basketball starting so early, you know, that's usually something that we would start um, right at the end of October. Uh-huh. And it would go November, and then it would go the, the first three weeks in December. Um, but now youth basketball, the leagues start before, you know, before Christmas, and they're going in October. And so it's, you know, it makes it really hard for kids to be two places. 
you know, and so we're going to have to do a real little reflection on how we want to do EBA moving forward because, again, most weekends kids are going to tournaments or youth league or whatever, and so it, it's getting a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but a handful of years ago, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, we started doing what we call Little Falcons, and that's our kindergartners mm-hmm. through third grade. Um, and um, and so, um, you know, we just bring them in for an hour and we do skill stuff for 75 minutes and we do skill stuff with them and, you know, give them a basketball, give them a t-shirt, you know, just get them excited. And, and, um, you know, basketball is a skill sport. So the more they practice the skill, hopefully the better they get. And then it makes your life as a head coach at, at the high school level a little easier when the kids have good skills. So, yeah. you know, all that time's worth it, um, you know, worth it to do and, and then we try to do a lot of different things, and I try to be creative with that. A couple of summers ago, we um, we did what we called the Nebraska NIL deal, when we brought um, you know three or four uh, girl basketball players down to kind of get our girls excited. It was a camp; it was a free camp. Kids could just show up and come to. It was just one day. Yep. Um, and uh, and you know, so we brought three or four girl basketball players down, and and that kind of got the girls excited. But then we also brought down. Um, you know, three or four boy basketball players to come down. And we brought some football guys down one time. So it's like three, three or four sessions um, throughout the the summer where where uh, kids could just come for a free camp and mm-hmm. and have college kids that they look up to, um, kind of coach them on fun things. It was nothing real structured. It was fun games and just getting a ball in their hand and being excited about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've. Um, we started doing last year. We started doing this big blue madness, mm-hmm. um, and um, and we we did it as a fundraiser. Um, but we we heavily involved our our youth amongst the you know, and so we kind of you know kicked off our basketball season with a big event um, where we have um, free will donation meal and and we do a ton of games. You know the kind of the games you see at halftime of colleges where they put on. The high school shorts, the shoes, the jersey, trying to go make a layup, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and we do it. We have a big board. We're, we're pretty spoiled down here. We have a big board in our gym, and we put, like, a randomizer wheel. And, you know, there's 150 kids in the bleachers, and we're pulling kids out to play these games. And, and so they, they get pretty excited about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do poster giveaways, and we do um, we do a pack the nest tonight where, you know, businesses donate, which is we're really fortunate. We have a lot of people that are – um, you know, willing to help out. And so we get like 200 t-shirts and we hand them out for kids, elementary kids, junior high kids, um, that come, you know, come to the game that night. So mm-hmm. we're wow. trying to do a lot. We try to do a lot to not just promote our kids that, you know, that are currently in high school, but get the younger kids excited about, you know, just basketball. So, yeah, well, um, it's it, in any small, uh, community, yep. you know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have some groups that you're going to hit the DNA lottery with and some groups that is not going to be as as gifted. Uh, but if you work hard with your youth, uh, when you don't have uh, the DNA that you wish that you had uh, in that regard, you can kind of ride that out a little bit more, a little bit better with uh, having that pride in the community, having that, that base of skill that you've, uh, you know, put into those kids for an extended period of time and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, that's, uh, 
you know that'll carry you through those those years where you where you don't bottom out. Uh, you just kind of tread water until you know. Hopefully, two or three years later, uh, yeah. you do get a, a group that that has the, the the basketball gods have hit them with the lightning bolt a little bit more than than the previous group. And and I think that's the yeah. that's the goal. It, you know, it's it's hard to sustain, you know, twenty. 20 to 25 win seasons at small schools because you, you do have those ups and downs uh but you, you you never want to bottom out and i think that's the key thing that you can prevent from happening is if you have a solid youth system yeah for sure i think i mean i think that's a, a big responsibility for you know a head coach especially at a, a k through 12 building is to to really be involved with the elementary kids and and um you know build that and, mm-hmm. and um so I think that's that and scouting, I think, are always the two main things you can control as a coach. You know, yeah. you can't always control the, you know, the products. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. You can't control that. You, yeah. know, you know, how hard your kids work and those type of things. But you can't always control, you know, your numbers and, and your size and some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, but I think you can control what you do with your elementary kids and you can control your scouting and your preparation and that type of thing. And as long as you're doing those two things, you know, you're, you're probably setting yourself up to be pretty successful. Yep. Uh, I got one quote I want to run by you. Uh, and then we're going to call it a night, Jim. Uh, I I love the, I love this quote that you put on the, the, uh, sheet that you sent in. You have to put in the work and you get better when no one is around. I, I absolutely love that quote. Where'd you get it? Is that a Jim McLaughlin original, or or did you did you copy you know, it off a of, off of somewhere else? Uh, yeah, you know, you know, where's that come I, from? I, I'm not a big social media guy. I don't I don't post. Um, I'm a, I probably retweet. I probably favorite some things, but it was something I saw. You know, going into last summer. Um, and with that group of kids, I know they were disappointed with with the. Um, you know, how they did at state, you know, that, that year and, you know, everybody's coming back. And, and so I guess, you know, one of the things that, that we really kind of hung our hat on was they wanted to start doing open gym before, um, weights in the summer. Typically past years, we'd always do weights and then we'd go do open gym and, you know, they wanted to flip that and, and that was fine. It was a good change. And, and, um, you know, that got him out a little bit more mid morning and not, you know, later in the morning, but, you know, one of the things that's, you know, I mean, now they're coming in at, you know, 7 a.m., you know, 6.45, that type of time. It's like, well, we're going to train in the dark, mm-hmm. you know, when nobody else is around, the bleachers are pushed in. So then that way we can shine in the light. And it was something I saw on Twitter and we just kind of modified it to fit us. And, and the kids really bought into that, you know, was, you know, we're training in the dark, you know, nobody's around, you know, nobody needs to know what we're doing. Um, but when the lights are the brightest, you know, that's when we want to be our best. And, and, um, you know, last year's group, you know, was, was, they were on a mission, mm-hmm. you know, with, the, with their state tournament, um, you know, and, and, uh, of course I'm a ball of nerves probably, but <laughs> you could just, you could just see how confident our guys were cause they knew they put in the work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they weren't going to be denied and, and that was pretty cool to be a part of, um, just how focused they were. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Great way to end it, Coach. Um, yep. If uh, if folks want to know more about your program, how can they find out about it? Um, we, um, we have a Twitter account, but we really only post like scores on there, you know, I, and I don't even post that stuff that, um, the guy that does our score book, he posts a lot of that stuff, but, um, but the school promotes like, you know, our school is great with, with, 
you know, Twitter and, and or X or whatever, you know, getting stuff out. Um, but, um, but I don't know, come check us out. You know, we, we, uh, you know, we have really good crowds. We have a great, um, you know, gymnasium that, that our kids get to play in. Like I said, we have nice scoreboards, a big video board that, you know, that businesses in the community, uh, uh, purchased for us, you know, through the school, through donations. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully catch us on strive. We got a good strive crew that, that announces our games and, and calls them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, I think social media is probably the easiest way to see the things we're doing and, and whatnot. So. Awesome. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the house that Ken Cook built. So, he's unbelievable. Yeah. So cookie's the best. So, uh, yep. Jim McLaughlin, head boys basketball coach at Freeman high school here in Freeman, Nebraska, just South of Lincoln. Uh, coach, hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. I did. This is great. So thank you for having me on. No problem. No problem. Great conversation here. Uh, you know, uh, got a couple things to wrap up here. If you could hold the line, uh, again, uh, Coach McLaughlin uh, just really got a great small school program going down there, at Free- Freeman, and uh, you know, just just does stuff the right way. And and uh, I remember watching his state championship game last year, and yeah, his his to, to say his kids were were locked in, it would be an understatement. You could kind of tell that uh, uh, they they were really ready to go. And and, and I don't want to say the game was over before it started, but boy, they looked awful impressive that day. So. Uh, we, we want to thank Coach McLaughlin. We want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, our founding sponsor. Uh, if you have any needs for chiropractic services and you're in the Omaha area, uh, give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, again, trying to get more napkins up there. It's just been, it's just been crazy, just been crazy. And and I I will get back to them. So download rate review, give us five stars for this podcast, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Go check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a really good coaching website. I know that because I'm the one that put it together. And I think, I don't know, I'm biased. I think it's pretty good, but that's just me. So Coaches, I hope you've enjoyed this one, episode 209. Again, Coach Jim McLaughlin, the uh, head boys basketball coach at Freeman High School. Hope you've enjoyed it. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.